Welcome to the Red Door Church Sermon Podcast. Red Door Church is a church seeking to transform the city of Pretoria by the power of the gospel. We are distinctly mission-minded, community-cultivating, and city-loving. Please enjoy this week's sermon, and don't forget to follow and continue the conversation by sharing with those around you. And buying um, Christmas decorations. <laughs> um, thanks. So it was quite interesting just standing there and seeing someone of a different religious background buying Christmas decorations. And I couldn't help but wonder if people, people know the story behind Christmas. To be more clear, do people know the Bible story behind Christmas? Because I know Christmas also has its own history in some ways. But do people know what we celebrate over this festive period? Do we remember and know what we are celebrating over this time? And that's the question I want to pose this morning as we head into this passage is, do we remember what we are celebrating over this festive period? And maybe you have friends or family um, that you know of. And while I'm telling the story, you're thinking of friends or family who clearly are not um, churchgoers or, or even Christian, yet they love this festive period. They get behind it. They put up the trees and the lights and uh, they buy all this, the Christmas Starbucks cups, and they just go ham over Christmas. Um, maybe you know those people, and there's been times where you've kind of gone to their houses and you've seen the crazy decorations that they put up, and all you think is, do you know what this story is really about? Do you know what all of this is really about? Before we go any further, let me pray for us, church. Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the gift of Jesus. We thank you for this festive period coming up where we get to remember what you have done for us, Father. That you sent your only son um, to live the life that we could never live. And, Father, to die in our place that we may live in relationship with you. We thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts this morning as we are challenged and as we wrestle with your word, Father. May we be May we come out of this knowing more of who you are, Father, and may we be in wonder and in awe of who you are. Let me pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, as we continue in our Advent series, we find ourselves in the Gospel of Matthew, and Matthew is showing us a couple of things. The first thing that Matthew is showing us is that Jesus is the promised Messiah. Jesus is the promised Son of God, the one who will save Israel. And the other thing that Matthew is showing us is that this story that he is about to share is a continuation of the Old Testament. This isn't something new that is that is sprung up out of nowhere. This is the continuation of the Old Testament. And I know when I was a lot younger, I used to think that these were two different stories. Like this was one of those those deals where you buy one, get one free combination of a book with the Old Testament and the New Testament, but it's two different stories. But Matthew's showing us that these are not two different stories, but in fact, it is the continuation of what is spoken about and what is prophesied about in the Old Testament. And that's why we see the genealogy of Jesus in chapter one that Rain led us through last week. Um, and, and again, it's not abnormal to see genealogies like that. Back then, it was quite normal to have genealogies. Um, and we see constant reference, referencing to prophecy. And this is really important for what we're going to be looking at today as we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 2. So please note that uh, the slides will not be coming up throughout the sermon. So please do have your Bibles open at Matthew chapter 2 with you. And uh, please do be following. 
But as we read through uh, Matthew chapter 2, there are a couple of things that we see in the passage that are worth noting. And the first thing is the prophecies. We see quite a few prophecy fulfillments and links to the Old Testament. Have a look at verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2. Um, it says, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And that is the Magi, or the wise men, as some translations may put it, making reference to Old Testament prophecy. Often the Messiah, the coming Messiah, was referred to as the king of the Jews, the coming king of the Jews. And that is a reference back to the Old Testament. And the second prophecy that we actually see is in verse 6. Um, Starting from verse 5, it says, um, In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And then finally, verse 15, it says the following. It says, And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son, which is a reference to Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. But you see, throughout all of this referencing, as Matthew um, draws up this account of the Son of God, Matthew is showing us that this isn't new. What is happening here isn't new. He's showing us that it connects with the Old Testament. These aren't two different stories, but rather a continuation of what God has been doing in and through Israel. And the promise is being fulfilled this baby that has been born is the king of the Jews, and the prophecies point to that. The second thing that he is again reiterating is that Jesus is the promised Messiah, and that he is the one who the Jews have been waiting eagerly for. These prophecy fulfillments that Matthew gives us are not just threads that connect us to the Old Testament, but rather more than that, he's showing us that Jesus is in fact the one that they have been waiting for. Jesus is the one that they have been waiting for. And church, I want to say that this was not only for the sake of those back when Matthew wrote this, but this has the same implications for us today. Prophecy fulfillment found in Jesus is one of the biggest arguments and strengths of the Christian faith. It's not just a feather in our cap, that Jesus fulfilled these prophecies, but rather it has massive implications for us and for the case of the Bible and for the case for Christ. Because of this prophecy fulfillment, we can know that Jesus is in fact who he claims to be, or in this case, who he will claim to be. But moreover, that he is who the Magi or the wise men claim him to be, and that is the King of the Jews. And this truth overflows for us today. And I want to ask us all sitting on this call this morning, how does prophecy impact your faith? Moreover, how does prophecy fulfillment impact your faith? How does the fact that Jesus' birth, death, resurrection, his entire life, him fulfilling all these prophecies, how does that affect your faith? It should encourage and embolden our faith. Because it really is miraculous the prophecy fulfillment that we find in Jesus. The second thing that we see in Matthew chapter 2 today is the kings. We see two kings being mentioned in the passage. The first one is King Herod, and he ruled Israel and Jerusalem, and he was placed there by Rome. 
place there by Rome. And the second, have a look at verse 2, chapter 2, verse 2 again. And they asked, where is he, the one who has been born the king of the Jews? So we see Jesus who is born the king of the Jews. And throughout this passage and chapter 1, Matthew is showing us again and again that Jesus is, in fact, the one born the king of the Jews. There's prophecy fulfillment. There's the lineage that he has, the royal lineage. And do you notice the difference? See, one king is placed there by force, and he has no rightful claim to the throne or the title. And in actual fact, Herod has very little authority. If he's placed there by Rome, he submits to the Roman authority at the end of the day. He's just a guinea pig. The other king is born king of the Jews. He's born king of the Jews. And in chapter 1, Matthew shows us how Jesus is a descendant of both King David and of Abraham. Jesus is of royal lineage. We have Jesus, the rightful king of the Jews, and Herod, the forced king of Israel and Judah. Herod has no rightful claim. Herod has no rightful standing in this claim and in his throne. And Matthew is showing us this, that you have the, the king, Herod, who has no rightful claim, and the king, Jesus, who has every right to the throne because of his lineage and because of the prophecy fulfillment. The king, Herod, pales in comparison to this new, real king, Jesus. And that brings us to my final point this morning, and that is that there are two responses to this king. The two responses. In this passage, we see two very different responses to the news of King Jesus. Have a look at verse 3 and then verse 13 with me. Verse 3 says, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed. I lost my place. I apologize. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's, all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And in verse 13, it says, When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. We see Herod and all of Jerusalem disturbed by this news of, the, of this new child born, the king of the Jews. Why? Well, you see, it's because his kingdom and his dominion, the little kingdom and the little authority that he has, is threatened by this rumored Messiah, King Jesus. And Jerusalem is disturbed because they have not been living according to how God had called them to live. And really, they weren't expecting him. They weren't ready for him. Both are disturbed and concerned by the fact that their own selfish desires and their own kingdoms are now threatened by the arrival of this King Jesus, the King of the Jews. The second response, which is very different to the one we just saw, can be found in verse 10 to 11, and it reads as follows. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child and his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented them, him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. 
The second response is the response of the Magi. They worship him. They worship this King Jesus. And here's something very interesting to note. The Magi were not Jews. They were Gentiles. They take the evidence that is stacked up, the prophecies, the genealogies, the locations, and they say, this is the one. Born the king of the Jews. He is the one born king of the Jews. And they go and they worship him. And as we look at this today, we have to ask this question. Do we believe this truth? What is our response to this Jesus born in a manger some 2,000 years ago? See, he was born in a way that none would have expected. They were promised a king from the line of David. I picture a royal birth in a palace, a wealthy king. With a massive kingdom. And yet we have King Jesus born in a manger. But all the signs point to him. The genealogy points to him. The prophecy points to him. The location points to him. You see, church, as we look at these two responses, we could easily judge Herod for his response as much as we want. But as I read through this passage time and time again, I began to see some of myself in King Herod. I'm not saying that I plan to king, kill babies. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I am saying is that I saw a man with a kingdom of his own that wasn't really a kingdom. With very little authority, very little power, and very little true control over what was happening. Be threatened by the arrival of this King Jesus. And I want to say that this king had his little kingdom, but I also have my kingdom. It's a very small kingdom. But I often feel that I need to control what happens in my life and in my kingdom. And I do not want to surrender that to someone else. I'm in charge. And so when things get real, it's Jesus, sit back, let me figure this out, and then you can come back in. And then when things get really, really real, that's when I'm like, okay, Jesus, I need you. <laughs> but we don't want to surrender the little power and control that we have, the illusion of power and control that we have over to this King Jesus. See, at the end of the day, we can only respond in one of two ways. A lot of us think that there's, there's 10 or 15 different types of responses to Jesus. But in actual fact, there's only one of two ways we can respond. And we see those responses in the passage today. And that is, we either protect the little kingdoms that we have, or we worship him. We either protect the little kingdoms and the little power and the little authority that we have, or we worship this king and we choose to surrender all of that to him. See, coming back to Christmas, I really do love Christmas. But I don't know if you felt this, but last year and this year, 
Christmas just doesn't feel the same. I don't know if it's just me, but I really feel that Christmas doesn't feel the same this year or last year. There's been um, there's been a lot of stuff happening outside of COVID in South Africa. We recently had the unemployment stats released again, and it's gone up. We have load shedding, fuel prices going up. We're not sure if we'll be able to go on holiday or not. And you can feel it. You can feel people are not gearing up the way that they used to. And I got angry at this. I got really angry at the fact that things are not working the way I want them to work. I got really angry at the fact that the Christmas I wanted is not happening. And that the Christmas experience and feel that I want is not happening. Completely forgetting two things. One, we live in a fallen world. I shouldn't expect more. And two, Christmas is not about what I want. Christmas is about what I need. And that is Jesus, the story that we are reminded of constantly. That God sent his son, Jesus, the unwanted savior. That I may have eternal life that we may have eternal life and relationship with our Father. So church, as I wrap up today, I want to encourage us as we part ways now and as we all go on holiday and enjoy this festive season, I want to encourage and challenge us all to constantly wonder at the unwanted Savior. Let us be filled with wonder and remind ourselves of what this time is about. It's the time where we remember that God the Father sent his only son, King Jesus, that we may be saved from the consequence of our sin, that we may be forgiven of our sin, and that we may live in close relationship with him. And I don't know where each and every one of us here this morning is. Some of us might be in a really good place with God, and that's really great. And some of us may be in a space where we're really just feeling distant from him. Maybe feeling like we're feeling a bit abandoned. Life has gotten really tough. And some of us aren't really sure yet how we want to respond to this King Jesus. The great thing is no matter which camp you're in, there is grace for us all. This much needed grace that we always need. What an amazing story we get to be reminded of over this festive period. And I want to encourage us to continuously remember the wonder of the unwanted Savior. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this story, this amazing story that so often gets forgotten and put on one side as we enjoy this period. But Father, I pray that, that this year we would be constantly reminded of your son and this amazing story of the birth of your son, this miraculous story of the birth of your son, Jesus. And Father, I pray that we would choose to worship him, that we would have the response to saying, man, I don't king Jesus, because I'm better off with him as my king, not me.
Father, we thank you for the grace that you provide through your son, for the forgiveness, and that no matter what we've done or, or where we are in life, that there is always grace and that we can come back to you and know that we can be in relationship with you. And Father, we want to pray for our country as we head into this festive season with many people having lost their jobs this year and last year and many people having lost loved ones. And so Christmas may not feel the same that it has in the past, but Father, we pray that we would remember the wonder of your son, Jesus, and his birth and what he came to do, and that we may celebrate this amazing, amazing story of the birth of your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.